discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. God bless you this morning. God bless you. He's on our side. Amen. Can you say that with me? He's on my side. He's on my side. You need to remember that, that he is on your side. And you can move forward and declare the victory upon victory upon victory. Let's give the Lord a praise offering this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for having us here at Love Economy Church. This is my beautiful wife, Claudia. And our daughter, Emeras, is somewhere in this beautiful facility. Oh, she's over there. Oh, you can wave hi to Emera. And uh, this, is, this is my first visit uh, to your beautiful country, beautiful city. Yes, and we've had such a wonderful time. You have a blessed Bishop Isaac. Yes. When I sang, he was such a blessing to us when he visited us in the States. Just a powerful man of God, anointed, full of the Holy Ghost. And not only that, he's so humble at the same time. And I told him before he left, it was refreshing. You, you, you meet a lot of pastors in ministry, but when you meet someone like Bishop Isaac, it's refreshing. It's refreshing. Amen. Amen. So praise the Lord. And he's a wonderful tour guide as well. I think we've seen everything in three days. So thank you, Pastor, for having us here this morning. Thank you. Amen. You, you may be seated in the house of the Lord this morning. <laughs> Pastor, you caught me off guard with that video this morning, but I'm glad you did because that's an anthem. He's on our side. He's on our side. Uh, this morning, I'm so privileged to have the opportunity to share the Word of God with you. And I want to start in our scripture this morning. Romans 12, 2 says this, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Amen. Every so often we find ourselves reaching a point in our lives. Sometimes we wait until the new year where we do an overlook on our lives to see what's going right and what's going wrong. Is there anything that we need to change? Anything that we need to examine and now to align with God's Word? We typically do this after we cross into the new year. We'll change things to make our lives better, to make a better version of ourselves. For some of us, it could be eating habits. For me, every year I like to look and say, hey, I'm going to go to the gym a little bit more this year. I'm going to change the way I eat. This, I don't know if that's happened yet since our visit. <laughs> Others, it might be exercising. Some might say, I want to spend more time in prayer. I want to spend more time in the Word of God. And that would be wonderful. Some might say, I want to spend more time with family this year. Some might say, I don't want to spend that much time with family this year. But whatever it is, evaluation and adjustment are good things to revisit every so often. And it allows us to grow, to keep growing and staying focused on what's important in life. Whatever adjustments we choose to make in our lives, they will eventually lead to a new you. Can you say a new you? A new you. It could be a physical adjustment, a spiritual adjustment. 
It could be a habitual adjustment. Every adjustment that we make in our lives will lead us to an updated new version of ourselves. And ideally, the adjustments we make, would, we would hope that it would be a better version of ourselves. Some adjustments, they take a little extra effort. But I've, find, I've have found that in order to make the big adjustments in life, one needs to change their view on things. When we look at things from a different view, we are able to see things from a different perspective, thus bringing us to a better understanding of such things and how they apply to you. And I love what Paul writes to the Romans. Because he says that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Can we read that again this morning? Romans 12, 2. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want you to remember this this morning. Real change begins from the head down. Can you say that with me this morning? Real change needs to begin from the head down. It's important to realize if you really want to be transformed, we need to renew our minds. And once our minds are on course, the rest of who we are begins to follow. I don't know if you've ever been skiing before, but they tell me, if you want to go skiing, you just look where you want to go. And if you look where you want to go, your body will naturally move in that direction. Yeah, you find that with a lot of sports. Real change needs to start from the head down. Once our mind is on course, the rest of who we are begins to follow suit, thus doing a full transformation. By looking at things from a new perspective, we're able to renew our minds, continue to transform into God's image. Amen. I think of the children of Israel, and I want to reflect on a story this morning. After the reign of David and Solomon, we see in 1 Kings that the children of Israel were divided into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. And this was the result of the infiltration of the enemy. The enemy and sin into the life of Solomon towards the end of his life and his reign, foreign gods started to come into his life and into his situation. From that point on in biblical history, we see the rising and the falling, the rising and the falling of kings between Israel and Judah. If you follow the kingship of Judah, out of 20 rulers, only a handful were considered righteous in the sight of the Lord. Could you imagine? Could you imagine a kingdom that was founded and established on the Ten Commandments out of 20? Only a handful rulers will be found righteous in the sight of the Lord. Where we would have, thou shalt have no other gods before me. In this kingdom was now ripped and weaved with foreign gods. Even with continuous warnings from the prophets of God, the kings of Judah continued to do their own thing. A handful of kings, including King Jehoshaphat and Hezekiah, attempted to shift focus back to God. But if you read in 2 Kings 22 and 23, you see a young man. It would be a young man who would step up to look at things from a new view, from a new perspective. We're going to turn to 2 Kings chapter 22 this morning. It's just Josiah. Can you say Josiah? Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah Bascath. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of, his, of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Josiah would have been the great-grandson of Hezekiah. And although, and although his grandfather Manasseh and his father Amon did evil in the sight of the Lord, it would be this eight-year-old who would make major steps for the kingdom of Judah. Let's read on in verse 3. It says, And it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king said, Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered to his people, and let them deliver it to the hand 
of the doers of the work that they may have oversight of the house of the Lord. And let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house. Josiah steps up and intends to restore the house of the Lord. It was his desire to again do what was right, bringing attention back to God, knowing that God was the source of their prosperity. God was the source of their blessing. He was the source of their protection. During Josiah's temple restoration process, he uncovered something special. Something that had been missing in these kings' lives. In 2 Kings verse uh, 22, verse 8, it says, And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, Listen to this, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Reading this, you see such similarity to what is happening in our world today. It doesn't matter whether, whether you are in Ghana, whether you are in the States or in the UK. What is happening to our families? This book, which for generations has been the foundation of which every decision was made, the Word of God from which families, leaders, and countries have been victorious and prosperous when they use it as their guide, has somehow drifted into the basement, has somehow drifted into the storage house. It has somehow drifted into the back of the bookshelf, somehow disappeared from the apps on our phone, somehow disappeared from our internet searches we have plenty of other things that will steal our attention history shows what the world looks like without the word of god without the word of god being used as a structure an instruction manual what is it destruction and chaos without the word of god when Josiah opens up this book and reads its words, he develops a new view, a new perspective. In chapter 23 of 2 Kings, verse 2, And the king went up in the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets, and all the people, both great and small. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and with all their soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. See, Josiah understood the importance of the word of God. If he wanted Judah, if he wanted his land to be prosperous, he needed to make the word of God a priority. So you see what Josiah does. He doesn't just read the words aloud. He doesn't just speak these life-giving words, but he makes a covenant. A covenant to walk after the Lord and to keep those commandments that he read aloud and to perform the words of this covenant. We see just a few verses later in verse 24 and 25, Josiah sticks to the covenant he made with the Lord and he gets rid of all those gods, all those things that do not belong in their land. In verse 24 and 25, Moreover, the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem did Josiah put away, that he might perform the words that were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest read, found in the house of the Lord. And like unto him, there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all of his heart and with all of his soul and with all of his might, according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. We don't realize people of God. We don't realize that there are so many, so many routines, so many traditions, so many lifestyles that we do that have been passed down from generation to generation. Lifestyles, our belief, our relationship with God, even the things that we stand for have been passed down sometimes 
from our parents, who got them from their parents, and so on. But I want to tell you this morning, it's important for each and every one of us. It's important for each of us as individuals, as people who are going to stand individually before, before the Almighty God. Individually before the judgment seat to do what Josiah did. Open the Word of God and read it for yourself. And see what it actually says about you and your responsibility as a child of God. It's funny. In today's world, people are so desperate to find out their history. They're so desperate to find out their lineage and their family background and where they came from. And they usually think by doing this, they're going to learn potential health risks. They're going to learn problems and lifestyle traits that they might battle. And if they find out more about their grandparents and their great-grandparents, hopefully they will be given insight into the best decisions that they can make the beneficial for the rest of their lives. But Josiah knew this, and you need to realize this morning. Josiah knew that his father and his grandfather were not going to teach him how to prosper. If anything, Josiah's father and grandfather, they pulled him further away from the things of God. He knew that if his kingdom was going to prosper, if he was going to get the real information of his history and who he was, and the potential health risks and the potential lifestyle traits, he needed to turn to the book that contained the information of who the true creator was. Who the true creator is, who created all of humanity, all of mankind, who knows the amount of hairs that are on your head this morning. Praise the Lord. He needed to turn to the one who has proven time and time again that he is your sustainer. He is your healer. He is the one who desires for all of his children to reach the promised land. Hallelujah. Josiah, need, Josiah knew that he needed to develop a new view, a new perspective for himself and the children of Israel. He needed to look at the things of God from a fresh perspective, fresh eyes to get the results that he wanted for himself and for his kingdom. This morning, I want to address three areas of our lives that I believe are controlled from our minds. Three areas that I believe we need to address this morning. And when we apply God's word to these three areas, take on a new view, a new perspective, we will find that renewing our minds can really transform us, allowing us to take hold of all that God desires for us to take hold of. The first area I want to address this morning is your view of love. The view of love. How do you see love this morning? How do we see God's love this morning? Now remember, the way you love might have been passed down from your father, from your grandfather. The way you love might be something that is passed down from generation to generation. But this morning, I want to look at God's love. I want to look at God's love and take on a new view, a new perspective, and find that love is so much more. And when we gain this new view of love, it will lead to a better you. If we are going to love the way that God's Word tells us to love, are you ready this morning? If we are going to love the way that God's Word tells us to love, we need to realize that it's not all about you. Can you turn to your neighbor and say that it's not all about you? And then turn to your other neighbor and say, it's not all about you. And then I want you to say it to yourself. It's not all about you. Yeah. Because sometimes we get so wrapped up in ourselves, 
so wrapped up in ourselves. If we look at Jesus and his disciples, if we look at Jesus training his disciples for what? For the continuation of the gospel of Christ. The great commission, the building up of the kingdom of God and the message of the gospel was meant to keep multiplying to keep multiplying and duplicating. The kingdom of God was not only meant for you, but it was meant for everybody else as well. Everybody else. Sometimes we get so stuck in this thought pattern again, where it's all about our relationship with God. We get into this mindset where I need to be fed more. Why ain't I getting more? I need more and I need more and I need more. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with getting fed. There's nothing wrong with receiving more and more of what God is all about. Learning more about Christ. But if we don't have the mindset of reaching others, we are missing the point of the gospel message. Do you believe that this morning? If we don't have the mindset of reaching those around us, We're missing the point of the gospel message. If we are more concerned about ourselves than we are about others, we're missing the point. How do I know this? Because Jesus says in Matthew 20, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. To give, it's not all about you. Sometimes I have to remind myself that. When I find myself doing things out of selfish ambition, And reminding myself, hey, Stephen, it's not all about you. It's about others. It's about serving others. We need to come to this realization that in God's word, it's actually more about others than it is about you. It is Christ's desire that everyone, all of the world comes to the saving knowledge of who Christ is. And to be transformed and welcomed into the kingdom of God. So yes, the gospel message is indeed about you, your sin, your redemption, your relationship, your transformation, and your responsibility as a child of God. But we can't get so caught up in our journey that we forget about everybody else. In chapter 22 of Matthew, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. The first command, love God. The second command, love who? People. Love God, love people. The second area I want to address this morning, something that needs to be switched in our mind, is our view of fear. Speaking. Yeah. All fears that are typically taught to us. We learn these things. How can I say this? Because most people who are afraid have never held a spider. They've never traveled. They've never eaten vegetables. Or they've never spoken in public. How do they know? How do they know? To say you are afraid of these things is not because you have done them or ate them or encountered these circumstances. It's because we fear the unknown. We fear the unknown. We fear the unfamiliar. What if a spider bites me when I hold it? What if I get stuck in another country when I'm traveling? Fear. What if the broccoli makes me sick when I eat it? What if I forget to say something correctly when I stand up on the stage to speak publicly? In all of these circumstances, our fear is stemming from the unknown or the what ifs. We don't realize it, but we can take this mindset of fear of the unknown even into our spiritual walk and our relationship with God. What if God doesn't do what He promises in His Word? What if I pray for healing and it doesn't come to pass? When it comes to the things of God, fear can prevent us from trusting in God. 
trusting in God and allowing to do, watch, a completed work in us. Today I'm going to share a secret with you on how to become, how to overcome any fear. First, we know this. In 1 John chapter 4, and we already highlighted this, what does it say in verse 18? There is no fear in love, say it with me this morning, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Perfect love is recognizing God's love and loving others the way that God loves us. Listen, when you start doing things for everybody else, the way that God does love, you're gonna see fear is not a question. When somebody's drowning in that pool because you love them, you're no longer afraid of water. You just jump right in and save their life because you love them. That's God's love. God's love so selfless, thinking about others, thinking about humanity. Now let's take it a step further. The secret to overcome fear is to allow God through his perfect love to renew our minds and see things the way that he sees them. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 it says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Of power and of love and of a sound mind. So watch this. I was very fearful as a child. <laughs> Pastor Stephen standing up here, uh-uh. That was not going to work. Yeah. I could go down a long list of fears as, uh, that I had when I was a child, but I don't have the time this morning. But one time, I was at an amusement park with my friend. And I wanted to impress this friend. And they wanted me to go on this ride, and I was like, that is not my ride. I don't remember the name of it, but it was one of those, I don't know if you've seen them, but it was one of those swings that you sat down in it and they pulled you up really, 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 really high. I don't even think they count. And then they just drop you and you don't even realize it. They drop you and you swing forward and back and your stomach's all over the place. I had never gone on anything like that before. Not only that, I was afraid of heights as a child. I never enjoyed that feeling of, of your stomach going into your throat. But I didn't want to look like a wimp in front of this friend. So I said, sure, I'll go on it. I was hoping the line was too long and we didn't have enough time, so we'd have to jump out. So we sat down. I'm taking deep breaths at this time. They buckle us in, they pull us up and up and up, and my mind's going crazy. Going crazy. But it was, that, it was at that moment that I decided to change my way of thinking. I changed my way of thinking and said, huh, look how beautiful it is from up here. Look how beautiful, I can see the whole park, I can see the water, I can see the trees. And so in that moment, because I, I decided to enjoy the view, I decided that I was going to renew my mind and see it from a different perspective, a different view. Talk about a new you, a new view. After that ride, I was able to do anything. After that ride, I remember going to Chicago and we went up the Sears, the Willis Tower over in Chicago. That was once the tallest building. A few years after that, I'm standing on top of the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Because why? I decided to renew my mind and transform it. Take control of my mind and see things from a different pr perspective. I even thought I was going to go skydiving. Claudia says, no. <laughs> Though that insignificant circumstance, God showed me how to conquer my fear of the unknown and decide to enjoy the view. Enjoy the view. 
How many times have you faced your fear and said, ah, that wasn't that bad. I actually enjoyed it. Imagine all the things that you've been missing out on in life. Imagine. This approach can be applied to many things, but I think it's most importantly applied to the things in the kingdom of God. If God has given you an opportunity to grow, don't let the fear of the unknown keep you tied down in the same place any longer. Take a step of faith and receive all that God wants to do with you. All that God has for you. Take a step of faith and believe that all things are possible with God. And although there might be fear in the unknown, you break through it and decide to enjoy the view. Can you say that with me this morning? Enjoy the view. You got to enjoy the view instead. If we allow the Spirit of God to transform our minds by filling us up with His Word and intentionally seeing things through God's lens, we'll see that God has a purpose, He has a plan, He has a hope, He has a future. Jeremiah 20.11 says it well for us, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Listen, don't let fear hold you back from the future that God has for you this morning. The plans that He has in store. Decide to enjoy the view. I'm enjoying the view this morning. Ah, it's beautiful from up here. It is. The final area I want to address this morning and get a new perspective, a new view, a new view of circumstance. Let me tell you this morning, our view is temporal, but God's word, God's view is eternal. Can you say that with me this morning? Our view is temporal, but God's view is eternal. I imagine this thought of where we only have a limited view, while God has an aerial view of the whole thing. How many have ever been on an airplane before? Anyone? Yeah. When you're on an airplane and you're taking off, you look out this little window and everything looks so big. Big buildings, big objects right in front of your face. Big obstacles. And then as the airplane begins to ascend into the sky, these things that we see out the window, they become smaller and smaller and smaller to where these big things all of a sudden seem so small and insignificant. When we look at situations from a different perspective, all the problems and the stresses that we go through are just a small part of God's beautiful landscape for your life. I'm sure many of you have reflected on your experience in your life and while you're going through them, they have seemed so big. I'm sure some of you have said, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this one. Then you've gotten to the other side and realized, wow, I'm stronger. Wow, I can truly do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God is sharpening me. God is shaping me. He's making something beautiful out of all these circumstances. One of the greatest narratives in the Bible, and I love this story found in the book of Genesis. Here we have the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, and the story begins with these brothers. But amongst the brothers, there was a special son in the eyes of Jacob. You know his name this morning, Joseph. And when his brothers heard of his dreams, they became so jealous. So jealous that they sold their poor brother into slavery and returned a shredded coat of colors to the father Jacob to suggest he had been killed by a vicious animal. Joseph was sold to the house of Potiphar in Egypt. And while in Potiphar's house, the wife of Potiphar was attracted to Joseph and accused Joseph of indecency. Joseph goes from prison to, to the one that would be called upon to interpret the dream of Pharaoh. Giving warning to Pharaoh 
that there would be seven years of abundance and seven years of great famine, Joseph gave Pharaoh a plan of how to store food in preparation for the seven famine. I, I want you to see what, what goes on here. In Genesis 41, it says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one discerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Are you kidding me? How could an outcast, how could a prisoner, how could someone with a criminal record, a man with accusations made against him, how could he have landed a spot and second in command in Egypt? Well, I'll tell you how. You think Joseph saw this coming? Do you think while he's sitting in the bottom of a prison, He's thinking, oh, I'm going to be ruler one day, so it doesn't really matter. No. Could he see the full scope of what was waiting? Could he see the full scope of what was happening when the wife of Potiphar makes accusations and now he has a big knot in his stomach? What's going to happen to my future? Do you think he could see this? I looked up the opposite of an aerial view. That's when you can see it from the sky. The opposite of aerial view is a worm's eye view. Yeah. Think of a small little worm and what a worm sees. It's so easy for us to look at life through the scope of only what is right in front of us. We look and we see all these big deals, all these big obstacles that we have to go through on a daily basis. Like a worm looking at all of these big giants. But if we could just get a glimpse of what God sees. If we could get a glimpse and just tap into the aerial view of God and see the beauty of life and how every circumstance that you walk through, every situation that you walk through is just a unique stroke in God's masterpiece for you. Sometimes our view looks very messy. Sometimes our view looks very messy. But we, we, we need to realize that we are only seeing part of what God sees. Only part of what God sees. I love what Paul says to the church of Corinth in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians verse 12. For now we see in a mirror what? Dimly. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have been fully known. Watch what he says in chapter 2 verse 9. But as it is written, can you read this with me this morning? I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Praise the Lord. See, Joseph discovered the secret to a successful life. And that was, listen to me this morning, it does not matter the circumstance. It does not matter the trial. Life gets messy. But he knew if he was going to make it through, he needed to first and foremost, he needed to honor God. He needed to honor God. He didn't even have the Ten Commandments at that point. He just knew that he needed to trust God in every situation. I'll be honest. It's tough to have an aerial view sometimes. I'm sure Joseph was shaking in his boots during his journey. But I see what God did through Joseph. I see what God did through Job. I, saw, I see what God did through Daniel. Even facing a den of lions. Making something beautiful out of all of these strange circumstances. Will he not do the same for you? Will he not do the same for you?
I'm here to tell you this morning, of course he will. Of course he will. That's the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. We can know that God is watching over each and every one of us. Guess what? And thank God it's from a different view. It's from a different perspective. And I pray that you can tap into God's view. I pray that you can tap into God's view. Get a new view this morning that will most certainly lead to a new you. When we change the way we look at our circumstances, we realize that God is in control of our lives. Hey, He has bigger plans for you. Bigger plans than you could ever ask or think. Bigger plans than you could ever dream up. I know Bishop Isaac would say the same thing. God had bigger plans than we ever imagined. But you just walk in trust in Him. If we choose not to take on this new perspective in the way that we love, in the way that we fear, in the way that we walk through circumstance or trial. Guess what? If we choose not to take up, on, uh, take a new view, a new perspective from God's view, we're going to find ourselves never moving forward. Never moving forward in what He has planned. Because guess what? Our mind being in control of the situation, we don't realize, but our minds can affect our faith. Our minds can affect our faith. If we want to see big things happen in our lives according to God's Word, and we want to see our faith produce fruit, our minds need to be made up this morning as the direction of where we want to go. I said about the skiing earlier. Guess what Proverbs says? Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this. Read it with me this morning. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. So as he thinks within himself, so he is. How do you view yourself? Through your eyes or through God's eyes? Your mind plays a big role on this activation of your faith in seeing things come to fruition. And many times our minds can prevent big things from happening in our lives. How, do, how does this happen? And I said it earlier. Because your minds only know what it has been taught. Your mind only knows what it's been taught. We can only grow in our understanding if we are taking time to learn the fundamentals of the things of God. And if the fundamentals come from a source outside of God, you're going to have a very difficult time understanding the supernatural. I'm going to say that again. If your fundamentals and what you know about God comes from outside of the Word of God, you're going to lack understanding in the supernatural. If we have already been trained to think a certain way about things, it can be very difficult to understand and receive the promises of God. This is where I believe Paul is saying we need a transformation of our minds. This is where we need to surrender our mind over to God, our will, our emotion, our soul over to God, and allow Him to teach us the things of the Spirit. Because once we learn, we grow, and our faith begins to grow, and we see things come to fruition. What happens when we take what we have already been taught as fundamentals and attempt to apply them to the things that God has in store for us? What happens when we take things that other people have taught us and try to apply them for the things that God has for us? I want to give you an example this morning. When we were kids, young kids, probably six, seven years old, my dad was a pastor, praise the Lord. He's gone home to be with the Lord. And he would be so happy to see this this morning. But I remember we would evangelize around the U.S. We would go from church to church. And we would drive across the U.S. And one time we were coming back and we decided to stop in New York City and I remember my dad decided 
this time he was going to take us downtown New York City. We were so excited because at that point we had only seen the skyline. We had only seen the skyline. We had seen it on TV, seen it in movies. And I remember this was before the 9-11 attacks. So I remember driving downtown and we saw the Twin Towers over in the financial district. And it was strange seeing all these people, tons of people running around, all having something important to do. And I remember my dad saying, all right, kids, lock the doors, lock the doors. Oh, lock the doors. Thinking that everybody in New York City was trying to break into our car. That was the mindset that we were taught. I remember one of us kids said, Dad, I have to go to the bathroom. No, 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 you have to wait till we get outside the city. Keep the doors locked. Somehow I developed this idea that New York City was a dangerous place. Filled with dangerous people all walking around to try to get me. And I don't blame my dad for these thoughts because it was a different time that he grew up. He grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. So he would have seen the, the city in a different light, and I understand that. And I watch superhero movies. How many watch superhero movies? I know. They're fine. You watch these superhero movies where everything terrible happens in New York City. New York City is the main setting and it's where all the notorious crime villains come from somehow. And they're always trying to get the good guy. But I remember my first visit to New York City as an adult. And I was in college and you would have laughed at my fear slash excitement because I was excited to go, but I was fearful. And I'm thinking, where did this fear come from? And I was with somebody that was familiar with the city. Stephen, just relax. It's okay. I remember going to Times Square for the first time. I remember we walked to Ground Zero because it was after 9-11. I remember feeling this confusion because I always thought that this was a dangerous place. Watch, I was trained by somebody else or from an opinion on TV or a perception of an environment or a situation. And don't get me wrong, as I said before, my dad was raised at a different time in the city and he had a different way of viewing it and that's okay. But the point I want you to see this morning is the way that we think about certain things could have very well been taught to us and we don't even realize it. And if we're not careful, these learned mindsets can prevent us from experiencing the new that God has in store for you. Since then, I've been to New York City countless times. I lived in New York City. I taught, I taught as a substitute teacher in New York City. I gained a lot of experience and if I did not transform my mind and view it from a different perspective, I would have missed out on all of those life-changing experiences that shaped me into the man I am today. This thought pattern can be applied to so many scenarios, especially the things of God. The problem is when, like I said, when we try to understand the things of God with the views and the fundamentals that have been taught to us and not the views and fundamentals of God's word. We have to get God's word inside of us. Just like Josiah, we need to read it for ourselves. We need to stop applying the world's way to God's way. We need to stop applying the world's way to God's way. When we apply the wrong fundamentals of what we have been taught to our faith practice, we miss out on all that God has for his children. Isaiah 43 says this in verse 18 and 19, Remember ye not the former things, Neither consider the things of old. Behold, what's it say? I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? 
I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. When it comes to the things of God, the, the world's ways are not going to work. I'm going to say it one more time. When it comes to the things of God, the world's ways are not going to work. Don't let TV teach you anymore. Let God's word teach you. Let God's word teach you and allow the spirit of God to begin to transform your mind and see things the way that God sees it. How can your faith make you whole when your mind is operating under the world's terms? The world doesn't know what that kind of faith looks like. The world doesn't know what that kind of healing looks like. How can your faith make you whole when your mind is operating under the world's terms? Watch this. How can you march forward into victory when your mind is being told that it cannot happen? That's why I wrote that song. He's on my side. Because I have to remind myself because sometimes those world thoughts and patterns try to teach me that I'm all alone in this and I have to figure this out all on my own. But no, I have the one that created it all, even me. He's right beside me, teaching me, revealing to me his will and his plan and his future for me. Matthew 19, 26 says, And Jesus beheld him and said unto him, Hey, with men, this is impossible. Yep. But with God, all things are possible. Do you believe that this morning? <laughs> I know you do. If there is nothing impossible for God, if there's nothing impossible for God, then what keeps us from enjoying all of his benefits? If there's nothing impossible for God, then why don't we enjoy his benefits? I think of Peter. Peter, when Jesus, this is my last story. I think of Peter when Jesus called him out on the water. Watch. Peter was not raised, he was not taught to think that he could walk on water. His father didn't teach him. His grandfather didn't teach him. If anything, they would say, Peter, you can't walk on water. You can fish, but you can't walk on water. Imagine if Peter had a better understanding of the things of God. And instead of thinking that there's no way that I can walk on this water. Imagine if he thought, Jesus is calling me out on the water. Of course I can walk out on the water. Why? Because Jesus asked me to do it. And Jesus would never let me drown. Jesus would never let me perish. Imagine if Peter's mind had not gotten in the way. Jesus would have never said to Peter, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? He wasn't brought up that way. You have the opportunity this morning to see things from God's perspective. And so when he calls you, you're fearless because he has taught you Although this is not the way you were brought up, this way of thinking is not the way that you're used to. Allow the things of God to transform your way of thinking and see things the way that God sees them. Watch this. Love the way that God loves according to his word. How about this? Be fearless the way that God teaches us to be fearless. By what? Enjoying the view that God's taking you on. He wants to show you beautiful things. Cast aside that fear and enjoy the view during the journey. Realize, just like Joseph, that the circumstance that you face is only a glimpse of the eternal plan that God has for you. This morning, I want to close by saying this. Some seeds that you have been taught have taken root 
and have built such a structure of how you view things. And this morning, when you take God's word and you begin to read it like Josiah, you begin to root out just like he did. Root out all of those barriers in your mind, all those things that don't belong there. And when you do this, when you allow the Spirit of God to root those things out, faith becomes easier. You know that God's going to heal you because his word promises it. Knowing that you are victorious even through this season is like knowing that the chair that you sit down on is going to hold you. That's the kind of faith that God wants you to have. Knowing that God is going to provide is like knowing the sun is going to rise in the morning and it's going to set it in the evening. Just by adjusting our view guess what? It will lead to a better you. Forget about the gym this year. Focus on God's word. Let it transform you. Let it transform your mind. Take a hold and experience the life and the peace that God has in store for you. I want to read this in Romans 8, 5, and 6. It says this, for those who are in accord with the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who, in, who are in accord with the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Watch this. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the Spirit, thank you, Lord, is life and peace. Can we stand this morning? Let's stand to our feet. Can I pray with you this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray over each and every son and daughter this morning. God, that the things that we have been taught, God, the things that do not belong there, the things that have been passed down, God, most importantly, we address the way that we love, the way that we fear, the way that we view circumstance. God, I pray that each and every son and daughter of you would be so bold to surrender it over to you. God, let the way that they view these things, God, let their minds be transformed by your spirit, by your word. I pray that if there's anybody here who struggles with fear this morning, I pray that they release it in the name of Jesus. Release it in the name of Jesus, knowing that God, you've given them so many beautiful views that, that they have yet to experience. God, so I pray that the next time that that fear tries to creep in whatever situation it might be that you would remind them that they are a child of the most high that they are no longer a slave to fear they are a child of the most high let them transform their mind to take on and enjoy the view God I pray that if there's somebody who has a difficult time in being selfish this morning someone who has not been bold enough to share the gospel message. Lord, I pray that they would have a revelation that it's not all about them, but it's about others, those people that they see walking beside them in their workplace, in their homes, God. It's about them. That we would reflect your gospel, that we would re reflect your spirit and your word. God, I pray for those right now who might be in a circumstance in a situation God that this one is tough this one is difficult and they've been praying and they've been waiting God I pray that their faith would be made stronger this morning God that they would be filled with such a hope such a promise such a confidence that your word is true that you have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread 
that all things work together for good to those that love them and are called according to the purpose. God, that they would be so bold, so confident, that they would drain their minds of all those things of the world that have been passed down and passed down, those thought processes, God, and now begin to fill their mind with your word. Let it transform them into something beautiful this year. We give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we say, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Can you sing this chorus? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Sing it out. I'm no longer a slave to fear. God bless you for listening. We pray that the Word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the Word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.